Welcome to Grab Life Big. Grab Life Big. The exclusive podcast for healthy, wealthy, generous men who choose to lead epic life. Or as a few of us say, badass rich guys who do epic shit. And now, your host, that's Hybin. If this is empty, this doesn't matter. That's your home. I'm always home. I'm on tour. Me too. You're doing great, dude. Telling true currency in this bankrupt world is what you share with someone else when you're uncool. Is it my advice to you? And I know you think these guys are your friends. If you want to be a true friend to them, be honest and unmerciful. Wrong Tribe Confounds, The Right Tribe Compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires at $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. All right, go bros. I got the man in the house. My brother. I'm excited. Yeah, what's to be here. going on? Nick is here, and we are going to get deep into his one sheet and talk about many things. Mr. Nick, what's up, buddy? Welcome to Man. the Bro Room. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to dive a little bit deep here. Hey, Nick, why don't you kind of give us a story about your life from the day you were born until now in like four minutes? Okay, perfect. So, I'm 23 years old. In 1996, I was born with um, a super rare genetic disorder called Hanhart syndrome, and that either leaves the babies with undeveloped limbs or undeveloped organs. And so at the time of my birth in 1996, I was the 12th baby in medical history that they've ever seen this happen to. And out of the 12, eight of them have passed away due to undeveloped organs. And so the doctors gave me about a 30% chance to live. I was born. All my organs were 100% healthy. And, uh, you know, jumped right into the, the, the real world. And so my parents, uh, me being their last kid, they kind of already split tested three times with how to raise children. Um, and so the fourth time they said it was pretty easy. But for me, they just sat me down and said, you know, the world's not going to stop for you. You know, like things may take you a little bit longer. You may fall down a little bit more than the other kids. But, you know, you have to figure out how to do things on your own. And so they put my food in front of me. They put my clothes in front of me and just give me for verbal suggestions and early on, that helped me exercise the, the problem and solution muscle, you know, the brain of always thinking in a, you know, a solution-oriented mind space. And so go, growing up, I was kind of good until I got into middle school and high school, realized how different I was. The girls didn't like me, like the way that, you know, they liked my friends, and that kind of got me down. And then I found wrestling uh, my junior year because my older brother was a wrestler. All my best friends are wrestlers, and I had to Actually, I'm going fast because it's four minutes. Had to actually amputate my arm. I mean, you could take longer. You could take longer. And obviously, and some one thing you can't, you guys can't see, Nick. This is a recording only. But yeah, yeah, you're you're missing some limbs, right? Now. Yeah, yeah. No legs and one arm. So I was born with no legs and one arm. And my junior year, I found wrestling, and I had to amputate some of my right arm to wrestle. And got out there and was trying to find confidence because I realized that confidence, 
you know, I thought you just had it or you didn't, but I realized it's a skill. And so, you know, I started committing to things and following through. Um, wrestling was one of the biggest ones that made me feel like an athlete, made me feel, you know, physically better, mentally better. And from there, you know, that led me into the internet world because the app Vine came out. So in 2014, I was a senior in high school. I started making Vine videos, doing zombie pranks, and I gained a million followers in under a year on the app, basically like starting to put myself onto the map as an entertainer, as a prankster. And that didn't last long because it wasn't as fulfilling as I thought it would be. And so I made the decision to get into bodybuilding, um, especially after everyone was like, you can't bodybuild. And so that kind of fired me up. And so I analyzed the fitness industry and I said, well, there's no man with no legs, one arm bodybuilding. If I do it successfully, people are not only going to watch, but it, it's marketable. I may be able to start monetizing, you know, my passion, one of my passions. And so built a, you know, a fan base in bodybuilding, built some, built a stream of income. You know, right now I'm an athlete for first form. And so I get paid, you know, a monthly salary plus commissions on sales and all my supplements are taken care of. So I don't really have to invest any money into, you know, the fitness side of things. Um, I've gotten all my, my meal preps taken care of, so I don't have to pay for food. So basically, you know, getting the most expensive things that a fitness paid for, like the supplements and the food. And then um, that's kind of a basis of my life. We all know about, you know, health, longevity. And so fitness is like the basis of my life. Um, I started taking my message into the speaking world when I moved to Tampa about three years ago. And I met my, my business partners and my buddies, uh, Ratmir and Don, who you all probably know. And from there, we just jumped into an industry that we weren't very familiar with. But, you know, student of the games is being very open, modeling the best. And we were able to um, scale a company from, you know, in, in three years to about a six-figure company. Probably last year, we did just over 300000 in speaking. This is, this is for the GoBros, right? So we can get, we can talk. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So been able to scale it to a six-figure business. But now, you know, we kind of got into good growing pains and the bottleneck of you can't scale speaking unless you have products on the back end, right? And so now we're currently creating a value or an, an ascension ladder of products with an entrepreneurship program and some coaching. And then we want to also fill the gap with the teens and the kids and giving them the entrepreneur mindset, basically my psychology on how I not only view life, but how I apply that to business so these kids can, you know, be ahead. And so that's what we're doing right now. I just moved to Vegas. Just a week ago, we moved to Vegas. We were discussing before the call for proximity. You know, proximity is power and being around, you know, thousands of seminars, you know, going on in these hotels and, you know, adding speaking bureaus so they can do the outreach for us so we can focus on other things. Um, systemizing the business, creating programs like today after this call, I'm going to be filming um, some programs or some videos for kids that they get every every Sunday before the new week. So it's going to be a lesson um, that, you know, it sends to the parents or sends to the kids so they can, um, you know, crush the week with this new mindset or this new lesson going forward. Um, and then just to piggyback off the end of that, um, some of the things that I'm veering my energy to is not only real estate, which you're the man to uh, ask for, but entertainment you know i want to intertwine my my knowledge and my perspective and the message into the entertainment world which needs some light right now and so doing that through not only singing and rapping but learning how to dj and getting mentored by people like steve aoki who are very level-headed and um, grounded so that is uh my four minute extended little story from when i was born to now that is that's that is awesome dude so many questions come from that i mean I I just watched the Steve Bioki documentary, uh, Sleep When You're Dead. Yep. 
Did you see that? Oh, yeah. Great, great movie, guys, if you haven't watched it. And that's really cool. I think you're smart. I love the, I love, dude, I love the focus on the young people, you know, a superpower that young people have that they have, that they don't ask for. It's just so natural is that they see right through bullshit, Yeah. right? They're so, they just have this superpower to know if somebody's fake and you are so fucking authentic and so real that I think that kids are just going to be naturally, and they probably already already are, massively attracted to you. Do you find that? Yeah, I I, I do. And and you hit it. Thank, thanks for the compliment. But it's just like always being authentic. You know, if I if I came out on stage, whether it's adults or kids, and I was like, I'm the shit and I'm perfect and all this stuff, like people don't relate to that. You know, so if you really want to build... A, a fan base or you really want to build a connection with your audience like you got to let them in on the shit you're currently going through um, the things that you struggle with on a day-to-day basis um, so you know because people realize that we're all the same and once they realize like wow look at this guy and look at this guy or look at that guy and look at me like we operate the same we have the same brain we're humans he's just has a little bit more knowledge or he's been doing it a little bit longer and it you know really opens up the kids to the potential they have. Um, but also, you know, I, I use humor, you know, you know me, I use humor. Um, I make fun of myself. I make funny jokes. And I think one of my superpowers is I'm able to make a room comfortable. And when people are comfortable, they not only listen with an open mind, but they're more willing to transform or they're willing to adapt something or adopt something that you've said. And so, you know, for example, like TikTok, TikTok is like the new vine. And I just hit 1.1 million followers in three months on TikTok with the kids fan base. And so just, you know, scaling, scaling that and, you know, even, you know, people can look at TikTok and say, well, that's not a great demographic yet. It's not a great demographic yet until those kids are 20, 25 and they're entrepreneurs and they're still following you, right? Then they get into your personal development products and then they see me DJing, whatever it may be. So everything's kind of a funnel back into um, who is Nick, what does he talk about and how can I think like him? Yeah, absolutely, dude. So, you know, at GoBundance, we talk about being a percenter. A hundred percenter means if your bills are 10 grand a month and your your horizontal income is 10 grand, you're a hundred percenter. Where are you right now on uh, becoming a a hundred percenter? Do you know what percentager you are on your one sheet, Nick? Yeah, let me just explain my situation and then you guide me in the right direction because I'm lacking in this area. But so... Um, I've been very strategic with, you know, overhead and lifestyle. And so right now, Don o- owns the house in Tampa that we moved from, but now it's, it's currently a full-time Airbnb. And so that house mortgage gets paid and it, and it cash flows um, a, couple, a couple hundred bucks a month. And then our company rents out our house. And so the company pays um, the rent to the house. And so basically... I don't have any overhead or I have n- nothing really paying. The only personal expenses I have is um, food shopping here and there and my, and my car bill. Everything else is taken care of. And so um, I guess that's 100 percenter because uh, my car bill. The company, the company has kind of socialized you in a sense. Like, right? like you're, they pay for everything because you live your job. Right? Yeah. Like, yep. uh, it's, a, it's an interesting phenomenon in that. The three of you guys live together, and that's the company. And you could say that your house is your office. Yep, we yep. I mean, we, not, you know, we yeah, we got the offices here. 
like like we said, you know, the company rents out the house. So the you know the company not only pays us salary, but it pays the rent of the house. And we just need to make sure we're bringing you know enough revenue each month that we're you know we're profiting, especially during this move. Kind of just planning it out. But yeah, so my only personal expenses are food, and you know my car, my car payment, and then other than that, I have here um, my total, my total, my vertical net income monthly would be four four thousand, and then horizontal is one thousand. Um, so okay. basically, basically my my vertical net would be like the salary the company pays us, plus I get. Um, a salary from first form for being an athlete and then I always get a kick off YouTube and so those streams way way cover my personal expenses and then I'm just a thousand bucks recurring that I get for my entire life um, is and then it, it, from the thousand bucks recurring is from free form from yeah just like my, my parents something my parents set up oh okay okay so, so like, um, what about so tell me about the sponsorship deal like how how do those things work uh do you have to like yeah, hold up the vitamins and shit and eat the food on social media like how, how what do they expect out of you and what are they paying you yeah so the, it's been a journey to get where i am with the the fitness sponsorships and so you know my first contract was with a company and i was just getting free product commissions and sales wasn't much didn't really know what i was doing and then, you know, it's a very slimy industry. So you're trying to, you're trying to align yourself with the right one. And then my second sponsorship was great. Um, everything was going great. I was getting paid a lower salary than I am now. But their, their marketing got super aggressive, which is their brand. I get it. But my brand kind of turned into more of like kids and coaching. And especially in China, I'm labeled as like a parent and teacher coach. Uh, I'm in a parent and kid coach. And so I had to really watch who I align myself with marketing-wise. And so now I just signed a first form which uh, some of the guys may know Andy Frisella. He has the MF CEO project or the Real, is, Real AF podcast. Um, but First Form is very aligned with my core values. It's not solely bodybuilding. It's more lifestyle travel, which is what I'm doing now is a lot of traveling, keeping healthy on the road. And so um, they pay me a salary every month plus commissions um, off sales. And so what they really want from me is just to promote in an organic way, you know, just be authentic about it. Um, I've implemented, um, you know, their, their green juice and their red juice into my, my daily rituals. Um, and so just like people just want to know about my lifestyle and uh, my fitness routine. And so it's just basically educating people on um, what I'm doing and the value in what I'm doing. And if they want to, you know, be a part of it, then, you know, here's a link. If they don't, like, that's fine. I'm just here to like, you know, provide value. And so it just has to come off in an organic way. I don't have to, you know, specifically hold up vitamins and stuff. It just got to be you know, very organic and just live the brand. And that's like lifestyle and authenticity, which is very aligned with me. Right. So, so you're an affiliate essentially for the green juice, the red juice, stuff like that. And then, but they also pay you a stipend every month, no matter what, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm a, an athlete, so I'm on their athlete team. And so basically I have a salary and then plus commissions on sales. Do you have to wear certain clothes like once in a while? Yeah, yeah. Like say, say the name on it. Yeah, the the basis they said, or or the minimum they said, is just like three times a month is a post, you know, with a product or you know, in a lifestyle shirt, like a lifestyle shoot. Like they don't want it all working out, you know. Like so, it could be one, you know, video of me lifting in the gym and having the shirt on, and then the second one can be 
me like educating on a product and then the third one could just be me out you know eating dinner but i'm in a certain shirt like just very passive you know because you don't want to come off like shoving down throat salesy and what do you get for that like how, how much do they pay you no matter what yeah so salary would be two grand a month two thousand a month okay yeah so yeah that's okay yeah so and then uh, youtube like you're just beginning on youtube right yeah, I, I mean, I've been on YouTube, but I haven't put the energy in. Like when, when Vine crashed and everyone went to YouTube, I kind of fell through the cracks and wasn't, you know, didn't know how to really edit to my full extent and all that things. And so now, um, yeah, it's definitely something that I should have took advantage of a long time ago. And so definitely getting back on it. But I've, I have a, basically a company that represents my YouTube. So like all my zombie pranks, like any videos that are reposted by someone else as a compilation, they flag those videos and that revenue goes to me. And so there's, really? no, there's, yeah, so there's no one on YouTube that is posting my content that is getting paid. It, it'll kick back to me because I have a company that, um, that I'm signed to that kind of just makes sure all my content is getting pushed back to me. So how do they do that? Like, how do they, how do they make sure that happens? They just notify YouTube and say, Hey, this is, this is copyrighted or this is, yeah, you know, I, I, I think so. I don't know the details. But yeah, basically just looking out for content that is getting reposted that's yours and then they can, you know, send it in and report it that it's the monetization uh, is really mixed content. I, I'm not really sure how they, how they do that. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So well, both of those things are what I would consider horizontal income. Like you, you don't have to work for them really. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. Posting okay. a couple photos here and there, you're really not working for them. Got it. The vertical income. You know, maybe when you do an affiliate, like you, you go on stage and you say, hey, drink this juice, or, or you go on a podcast and you provide a link, that would be more assertive, like vertical, you know, income, I would say. But, but yeah, th those are really cool. The wrong tribe confounds, the right tribe compounds. Get your free copy of the runaway bestseller Tribe of Millionaires at $20 value at tribeofmillionaires.com free. Just pay the shipping. That's tribeofmillionaires.com. Uh, so let's shift gears a little bit. And, and, you know, you can tell me to go fuck myself if I, if I ask things that are too personal. But, like, I think a lot of people are curious, like, you know, you're you're traveling around the world. You're like a rock star. You know, I've seen these chicks hanging out, groupies. You know, what's Nick's love life like? Ah, nice. So, yeah, I've been, um, right now I've been in a relationship. It's probably been almost, it's been almost a year. Um, but before that, you know, traveling, I'm just always very, regardless, I'm very conscious of who I give my energy to. And me being a 23-year-old dude, there's not many 23, 22, 24-year-old girls that are on the same frequency. And so I don't really relate to, to many people. And so I'm always just being myself and attracting the right people. I mean, we talked about reframing body image. And for the majority of my life, my love life was terrible. And I was, you know, depressed about not getting girls or whatever it may be. And then I realized that if someone doesn't want to be with me or love on me or talk to me because of my physical body, then it's actually working for me. And that's the type of people I don't want in my life anyway. And so, you know, the one thing I've also realized is like, it looks are additional, but presence is everything. Um, and I bring up, I bring a presence and, you know, be, being authentic and locking eyes with people and really connecting with people and listening. You, people, people in a conversation forget that I'm missing limbs because my presence is so big. And so not really looking for it. I just, this girl had messaged me, messaged me and, um, 
we were going back and forth and we got on FaceTime and there was just a lot of similarity and familiar, you know, familiar um, topics. And we, I don't know, it was just weird. And so she flew out to one of my events and I, I labeled her, I told her I'd fly her out and I labeled her as my manager and got her flight compensated, you know, always being strategic and um, just kind of hit it off. We had a really great connection. And from there we just, you know, I, I never really had a girlfriend. I would always just, you know, um, do my own thing not t- not be tied down but she kind of stepped up in all areas of being you know a teammate and that's the thing that i look for in relationships is someone that's going to push you make you evolve they're also evolving have their own goals have their own ambitions you know, have their own life it's like when two people come together and realize like you two are additional for each other like your life is already amazing you're already happy without that person but it's it's additional right and so this kind of just fell into my lap and so her name's Cammy, and she's been she's been to some of the the One Life or the the Fan Abundance um events. But yeah, it's been really great. She actually um she moved out here to Vegas. She got her own place, but she was able to land like a job taking over like the top dental practitioner um, in Vegas. And so she does. She's like a dental assistant, and so she sent out like one random email to um, one of the top places here in Vegas, and they wanted her to take over. So everything's just kind of really guided. That's awesome, dude. And then, so now you're experiencing it on a much higher level. In that, uh, in that, it, it's it's not just these weekends yeah. together. You know, there's not this rush rush of adrenaline and passion. It's uh, you're spending your lives uh, on a closer level now. Yeah, it's it's you know substance. It's you know in depth conversations. It's authenticity. It's that person having their own goals and being fired up about their life and they want to see the best for you and you want to see the best for them. So it's, you know, it's, it's way greater than, you know, a one, one night stand like that stuff. You don't really remember, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Good for you, dude. All right, cool. So, and, and your business, let's talk a little bit about that. Like how, how do you guys split, you split everything three ways with Ratmir and Don, you know, like the Nick, the business of Nick. Tell me about that. Yeah, so we're just we're equity partners, and so I would have majority, and then it's split up between them. And then right now we're just on salaries um, because a lot of our stuff gets reinvested. Um, we live way below our means, and so we kind of just take the minimum that we can to survive right now. And then everything's getting invested back into the business. So that's you know training seminars and speaking seminars, and you know trying to get to events like Business Master with Tony, like all these things, everything just gets reinvested. And so, because our main goal right now is building out the systems, building out the, the back end of the sales funnels. So basically, you know, I go on stage and I, and I not really pitch, but I give an opportunity for them to further the relationship with me. And that way we're building, you know, recurring revenue on the back end. And we're selling from stage. And so the, the boat needs to be moving regardless of if I'm, if I'm on stage or not, right? Like we still need, still need to be making yeah. when I'm not on stage. And so that's our main focus right now is working on the business and not in it, you know? So just systems, referral systems, the marketing, the sales funnels, the value ascension ladder, the programs, like that's all, that's all the main focus right now because um, we want to scale. And we also want to you know, put, put some capital away for, for real estate and start investing in real estate, not only collectively, but personally as well. And so just doing everything we can to reinvest into the business to build a foundation. If we're going to scale really high, right? We need a strong foundation. That's awesome, dude. I mean, I, I imagine a lot, you have a lot of people giving you great advice there. And uh, I, I would think that, you, you know, just be putting out content constantly. 
I think YouTube could be huge for you, man, especially if you do like little simple videos for uh, just like how, how to deal with a bully at school, how to deal with, you know, how to, you know, simple, simple questions that children, teenagers come up with and you make short videos on them that just show up and they look at 10 of them on the outskirts and then they see yours. I think they're automatically going to click on yours versus the other ones. It just yeah. makes sense. You know? I, yeah, I agree. Definitely, definitely got to take more action on content on YouTube, but content in general, right? Um, content is yeah, game, just content 24 so, seven. Yeah. Like so six I, hours. I, I agree. A minimum, you know, four hours a day of content. That's yeah. You know, every single day. You know? Yeah. That's yeah. the way I find it out. And also, Another thing on the business side is we're working on some sort of docu documentary or a docu series or a series of where you know say today Nick goes to Steve Aoki's house and they hang out and they race cars and they build a song together you know and that's one episode and then Nick goes and hangs out with LeBron James and they shoot basketballs and do trick shots for the day or do a workout you know we're so we're working on also some sort of series that we would pitch to Netflix or Hulu or something something along that nature. So, can you hear me? Can you hear me? <laughs> love that. Love the jam, dude. So, tell me about the music industry. Like, what's it like yeah. recording? You yeah. know, how hard is it? How hard is it to, uh, uh, you know, to do something live versus do it recorded? Yeah, Give absolutely. Me some insight. So, my my whole life, actually, my number one my number one dream was to be a famous rapper or famous singer and always perform and. I actually did, I tried out as a kid, 14, 15 year old me, tried out for American Idol, didn't make it, tried out for The Voice, didn't make it. Um, I took second in American Idol in this little Disney one. Um, and then I kind of just pushed the dream under the rug because I don't think I had enough confidence at the time and I just don't think it was the right time for me. Um, I'm glad, like, you know, life always goes the way it should, I think. And so now that I'm at a point in my life where I've, I've, I've built this person up, I've built this identity, I'm, I'm more confident in my ability to execute on things and make things happen. I started, you know, getting back into things that make me feel like a little kid. And, and one of them is like singing and rapping and just creating things. And at first, you know, I was like, I don't know if I can even write a song. And I was like, all right, change your language. Like you're just attempt. And so my first song I, I wrote and it's not out. I haven't released it yet. And then my second song was the, the Do You Hear Me song. And so the, the story behind that was basically I wanted to, you know, bring a positive message into the entertainment world. Because it's, you know, a lot of these kids are being influenced to do drugs and prescription drugs and lean and all these things because their favorite rapper does it, right? And so I wanted to be a positive influence um, and make dope, catchy songs, but under the surface, like, there's a really deeper meaning. And so Do You Hear Me was just about um, suicide awareness and how, you know, the biggest disability is a bad mindset and perspective is everything and no legs, one arm, I got everything. Like, these little nuggets that people can, you know, just be super motivated about. Um, but I think the most important about the music industry um, that you realize it's it's an opinionated sport. You know, it's an opinionated industry. Like, there's always going to be people that hate your music, and there's always going to be people that like your music. And you have to be okay with that. And I think I'm in a liberating space when I'm just posting music because it makes me feel good and it's additional. And if people like it, it's additional, not to attach to the outcome. And that way, I'm more in a free space. I'm more in a creative space where I'm just going to create things and drop them and release them. And, you know, that goes not to not having any expectations, but just really appreciating what's additional, if people like it or not. And so with the Do You Hear Me song, I released it. I didn't do much promo for it. 
it's not a super big song, but it's my first song. It's my first music video. And I was, is it is it is it independent? Did you release it independent, yeah, like yeah. Macklemore, or did you get signed? Yeah, independent. Um, so you release it independent, so it's like a self-published type of deal. Yeah. And then what happened? Like the, like what happens for like just for people listening and might want to do the same thing. Did it? Do you make any money on it? No, no. I I paid. I was able to collab with one of a one of my buddies who does film, and he was able to do the music video for 2500 but it was more an investment in myself and in my portfolio. You know, I wasn't, I'm not, I wasn't trying to make money on it. I, I know it's the long game. You know, there's a rapper that I really model. His name's Russ. He's like me and the guy is his favorite, favorite rapper. And his, the way, why we model him is because it's, he talks about it took him 10 years of releasing songs to become famous. Um, it took mm. him 10 years for people to, you know, actually listen to his music. And now he's independent. Now he's crushing it. He sells out his own tours because... Um, he built his own fan base, and so all that revenue from the tours and the merchandise goes to him. Like he's independent, and he built that um, by just c constantly releasing great music, quality music, and building that relationship with the fan base. And so that's the route I want to go. Is just like I already have a fan base in general. Now I just have to convert them into listening to my music, intertwining it into my personal development events. You know, networking with celebrities and DJs and collaborating in Vegas. You know, it's just being really strategic and, and in networking and collaboration. And so, you know, why do it by myself when I can have people around me that have already taken over the industry, teach me the ways. Right. And so, like I said, you know, looking through the comments, it's super, super positive, you know, feedback. People are like, you know, I didn't know you could sing. I didn't know this is really great. My kids love this. Like, and that's all I need. That's proof of concept. Now I know proof of concept is there. And so I'm just going to go on my own time and produce music as I go when I feel it. And uh, it's just going to be additional for me. And then eventually, you know, in five years, the vision would be full, full time touring for, you know, DJing and, and my, my songs and then speaking at really high level events, you know, selling off stage. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I uh, love some Russ, you know, that jam Civil War, that newer one yeah. is, is, <laughs> is a nice kick. I actually heard him on the Gary V and yeah. uh, uh, just because his social media is so strong. But and then my wife were in Switzerland. My wife and I were in Switzerland in August and he was fucking playing in Switzerland, which was pretty oh, cool. So I didn't know he was independent, though. And I know it's very hard to be an independent, you know, with anything. You know, yeah. Macklemore got lucky. He was like the first one to really ever do it on a big scale. So it's good that you start seeing them because eventually they, they decide to sign up, you know, with a, with yeah. a label. And even if, like, independent, but even if it's just, you know, signing to a label, not fully signing, but I forget what the word is, like affiliation where they do the marketing and stuff and there's some kickback, but you're really not locked into what they say, you know? It's just um, additional push. So there's there's a few ways you can go about, like, signing to record labels. I'm not, I'm not too educated on it yet, but I know that there's a way where it's just kind of like affiliation. Um, they, like, push marketing and stuff and get a kickback. Well, it's, all, it's, it's almost like a whole nother game, too, because for you, like, if you really want to be Russ, right... It's about fucking touring and singing and and and, yeah. and dancing on stage and doing all that stuff and and that's probably not your highest and best use of time right now. You could you you you've got momentum speaking, yeah. You know, so like that's probably where you want to focus, anyways. But it's still fun and for twenty five hundred bucks, whatever, can make a dream come true, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's 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 additional, right? Until you know, eventually. It'll be full time, or whether that's me speaking in a city and then me going DJing a set at a club to make you know an extra twenty, thirty thousand dollars, 
um, because of the celebrity name and, and who I'm affiliated with in the entertainment industry. So I think all of it could be very uh, profitable. That's awesome. So at GoBundance, we talk about greatest hits. While we're talking about music now, right? Uh, we talk about greatest hits. So Russ might have a greatest hits album. You know, any musician has a greatest hits album. I want to know what Nick's greatest hits album is of the first 23 years of life. Give me like three really poignant moments that, that like you remember vividly as, as being significant in your life as a greatest hits. What, yeah. what three things would be on Nick's greatest hits album right now? Yeah, so the first one's going to sound a little weird because it may not sound like a greatest hit, but the first thing that comes to my mind is I, when I moved to L.A. right out of high school, I went broke and I was living in, a, in an L.A. apartment and it was my first time I felt like, um, my first time I knew what it felt like to go to sleep hungry. And I think it's one of my greatest hits because that taught me so much and I know how to live with absolutely nothing. And so, like, whatever situation I'm ever in, I know that I've been worse, you know, sleeping on a floor, sleeping on a pile of towels, I'm not really having food, rather pay for rent than food. And so that's a greatest hit, greatest lesson for me because, you know, I always reflect on that and um, just know where I came from and know that I can live with absolutely nothing. The second one would be 2017 in September. I competed um, at my first bodybuilding show. And so it was, I did a 12-week preparation and, you know, I, I put my, my – my all into this preparation and my buddies came out from Jersey to Tampa to see me, uh, to see me compete. Uh, my grandpa had, had just before he passed away, he flew out to Tampa with my parents. And so they were all there and I remember competing and I took third. Um, but the one thing that really stands out to me is the dinner afterwards, you know, I was kind of looking around at this massive long table of family and friends. And uh, I was kind of just overwhelmed with gratitude of the, the surroundings I had and all the love and support by people that, you know, some people I even just met, but were just so supportive and, and on the journey with me. So that's the second. And then the third would be just two months ago, I was able to bring my parents and my girlfriend and some of my buddies to uh, UPW Miami, which was as a company, our biggest stage, it was uh, just over 14,000 people. And the, the last speaking engagement my parents saw me speak at was a Keller Williams culture summit like two years ago with like 500 people. And so to see, you know, just bring them into an arena me walk out and the crowd roar for like 14,000 people and to see, you know, how much I came from speaking and, you know, I, I put the spotlight on them um, individually during my speech and just gave them credit and have the whole crowd, you know, go for them is it, it's, it really was probably my greatest hit till this day um, because all my hard work, all the guys hard work, everything kind of just came down to that moment of, you know, 14,000 people in front of, in front of my parents, as well as, you know, just weeks after that I was on stage at date with destiny and Tony was in the, was in the, the, the sideline watching me speak, um, which was the first time he was actually present when I was speaking. And then I came off the stage and, you know, he just gave me some massive compliments. And so these are the greatest hits that I'm rolling off of right now. Dude, those are awesome. So, so let me let me dig into the speaking thing a little bit because I know you've upped your game significantly. Uh, you know, over the last few years, because you've only been speaking a couple of years. Yeah. Like, what what are some lessons that you've learned, or that Tony's taught you, or that some of these speaking coaches or people that you've talked to? Uh, what are some things you've changed in your speech to make it better, so we can learn and change? things we say when we're on stage. Absolutely. There's a few things. So the first is I used to speak 
um, and using the the language of like you, you know, like you guys, you you need to do this, you need to do that, and and what you're really doing is speaking at people, right? So you don't want to speak at people. So even just the conscious um, changing the the wording to like we, and you know when you're when you're talking about an idea, you know pre-framing with if you're up for it right you're not telling them that they need to do this but if you're up for it if you're willing to take it to the next level then i suggest doing this right it's it, people take it better and they receive it better when it's a suggestion not a demand um the other thing is tonality um you know when when you're talking about something positive your tonality needs to go higher it needs to be more energy and then when you really want to sit in and sit in on something you know sad or you really want to make them feel you know, you slow your tone down and you, and you bring your voice down and you speak with more compassion and, you know, even those subtle things and um, realizing that you don't need to speak all the time, that pauses, you know, at the right time, pauses are super powerful because people need to process what you're saying. Also with John Berghoff, right, you know, the power of, a, you know, questions, the power of letting people, you know, teaching on a subject or teaching on a lesson and then, you know, following, following it up with questions for them to answer and then share with each other, right? Taking the room from passive learning to active learning is massive value because the majority of speakers, you know, they just show up for a keynote and they just speak. There's no time for the, the crowd to interact or the crowd to do anything. And so if you can ask questions and then they can share the answers collectively with, with their groups or next to each other, then everyone is heard. And so those, those are massive things as well. The one thing that I've, I've learned from Tony is compassion. It was a mass, massive breakthrough for me is the reason why Tony can do what he do and reach as many people as he reaches is because he can come off very aggressive when he needs to be aggressive. And then he can come off from, um, you know, a standpoint of compassion or voice, you know, voicing with compassion and feel you and feel your, you know, the things that you're going through because the moment someone, the moment you're talking to someone and they feel judged by you, you immediately close the door for transformation or trying to help that person because they feel judged. And so, okay, so let me stop you there. So, like, how do you? How would one? How would one make some? How would I make that mistake? Let's say I'm on stage and someone in the audience feels judged. What did I just do? If if someone feels judge no I, I would more i would say more the judgment would become from the one the the one-on-one -on -one interactions so when i like i see tony when you see tony do a live intervention that's what i, I would be talking about more of like yep, okay just understanding where they're coming from and being like you know yeah like how does that make you feel you know just really connecting with them and and you're not regardless of how shitty or whatever they did whether they you know, dude, like if, if someone stands up and Tony's in front of them and that guy's like, I beat my wife, like he still comes from a point where, you know, inside he wants to kill that guy for hitting a woman, but he comes off with this gentle compassion. Like, let me, let's, let's dig deeper on like why you did it. Right. Or why, like, why does this happen? Right. Because I'm, I'm talking about compassion more on the one B ones. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it, man. So, that's, that, that's great, great advice. Yeah, and so compa compassion was the big one. And then for me, you know, humor. Like, you know me, I, I, I create jokes. You know, I create jokes to break the ice. And if I can make fun of myself, then people are more, you know, inclined. Or if I can laugh at myself, people are more inclined to laugh at my jokes and be more comfortable. Because sometimes people don't know whether to laugh or not. And then the other thing is, um, if you can, you know, during your whole speech, if you're, you know, teaching content, if you can embed if you can embed your offer within the content, then your sales pitch doesn't look like a sales pitch. And so, so, when I, so explain that. that yeah. yeah. So what I mean by that is, you know, say I'm talking about the power of blaming effectively. And what I mean by blaming effectively is if you're going to blame someone for all the bad they did in your life, you got to blame them for all the good you did in your, 
did in your life as well. And so say I'm talking about the topic of blaming effectively and then real just nonchalant. I was like, yeah, you know, there's a girl I work with. Her name's Cammie. We were doing our one-on-one coaching and blah, blah, blah. And I go into the story. Now they're thinking in the back of their head, well, he does one-on-one coaching. But that wasn't, that wasn't the highlight of what I was saying. I was trying to teach the, top, the, the subject. And so subconsciously or subliminally, subliminally, I let them know that I do one-on-one coaching, but I didn't say it directly. Do you see what I did there? Yeah, beautiful, man. And so yeah, you, and, yeah. Yeah, and so if you can continuously embed your offer within your content, then when it gets to the time for them to take action, it's not a sales pitch because they already, you already pre-framed them without them even knowing. Dude, I love it. I love it. Let's talk about the future, bro. So give me like a couple of uh, future greatest hits. Like you're only 23 now. Like think, think, think forward, 33, 43, 53, 63, 73. What do you want Nick's greatest hits to be in the future? Yeah, I, um, 33. By 33, I want, I want a, a, a pretty great real estate portfolio of like, I know I'd set myself lower than what it would be, but like, you know, 20, 30 properties by like 33, um, you know, fully just my passive income is just way crushing. I don't really have to work anymore. Um, but mm. the, the speaking company is, it, the speaking company is systemized. Um, people under me are trainers of mine and they're doing workshops and workshops are going all around, whether it's, you know, for parents and kids or entrepreneurs or, you know, building a speaking company or doing consulting. I just want a massive team under me and the guys for, you know, building out this machine. But dude, like really, I, I, I want to focus on, you know, by 33, like it's, it's a lot of music. It's, it's basically, I'm at a celebrity level where I'm in movies, I'm doing acting, I'm, you know, doing the DJing, I'm doing the touring. And then, but on the transformational side, it's just like, I really want to fill the gap for kids. You know, I really want to, you know, be that, be that guide for the kids, um, giving them the, the, the tools, the perspectives, the knowledge, the ways to build confidence, um, you know, educating them on fulfillment and what success really is and what is their why, just giving them all the tools that we didn't get as kids or as I didn't get as kids um, and the mindset, right? So they can be ahead of the game when they get into reality and, you know, educating them on that, you know, college isn't the only way and there's trades and there's entrepreneurship and these all these things, right? I just, I want everything. I just want to be this massive figure but everything trickles down into how we can transform people and, you know, build them up to, to live their full potential. But I really just want to, I want to do all the industries, you know, I just want because when I, when I'm at, on my deathbed, I want to look back and say, dude, I tried everything. You know, I tried everything. I don't have regrets. I, I tried the music industry. I did the modeling thing. I did the speaking. I did the pranking. Like I, I just, I didn't, I didn't sit on the sideline and hope about anything. I just tried it all. Mm. Family? You have any family goals? Yeah, family goals. I want to take my mom to the pyramids in Egypt and Italy. I want to take both my, I want to take all of my family to Italy, actually, because that's where we're from. And then I'm taking my dad to Alaska this year for a, a fishing trip. Um, and so trying to, you know, give back and, you know, really let my parents in on the taste of like my life, you know, and, and have them be more a part of it. And, and my, my siblings as well, getting them to travel. It's just my siblings all have kids. And so it's really hard for them to, you know, travel. But eventually, like, I want to have the massive house where I host all the family for Christmas and Thanksgiving and um, provide my family with experiences. Like when my parents, you know, fly out to Vegas, I'm going to surprise them with like a, a helicopter ride on the Grand Canyon or something just like I want to, I get off by providing people experiences. And so for family, it's just like looking for ways that I can provide experiences, whether that's, you know, giving my, you know, sh- 
buying a, buying the camera my sister wants for her photography business without even you know talking to her about it just doing it or you know giving my brother a ticket to UPW to help change his life or you know taking my family on a, a snowboarding or ski trip right like I just want to give them experiences that they don't think they could have mm. deep great that's awesome dude okay so let's uh, wrap this up Nick with a uh a question from the GoBundance app. Are you ready for a random uh, yeah. assorted question here? Yeah. All right, let's open it up. Hold on. Generate new card. All right. What are some things that are okay to do occasionally, but not definitely okay to do every day? Yeah. I, I would say recharge, um, whether that's playing video games or watching TV or just really doing nothing. I think as you know, entrepreneurs and go, 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 um, we really forget not only to uh, self-reflect on the wins, but really take time for ourselves, um, allocate time for ourselves to be ourselves, to just be human, to not really focus on anything. Um, so I think there's strategic times where you can recharge, whether that's on a Sunday or getting ready for the week. Um, but I always think that you should have time allocated for your for your personal well-being, whether that's going to the gym or going to the sauna, the spa, um, or like I said, just watching Netflix and really chilling and not feeling bad about it. Um, so that's something that I think we should do. But, I, you know, too, too much of it, we can get kind of stagnant and complacent. Yeah, awesome, dude. Yep, very good one. Very good. All right, Nick, well, this has been a blast, brother. I'm going to put all of Nick's information in the show notes, guys, so you can reach out to him. And uh, definitely you want to follow him on YouTube and, and all, all the other areas. And, uh, Nick, look, I uh, look forward to uh, catching up with you at the, at the next event and, uh, and breaking some bread, my brother. Yes, sir. I appreciate you, brother. Thank, thank you for the, the time. I'm grateful for the opportunity. In life, to be honest, I failed as much as I've succeeded. But I love my wife. I love my life. And I wish you my kind of success. Don't step to me, bitch. Now you